0: Dear Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity for your church to meet in this space you have provided, to sing praises to you, and to share in the gospel. Father, your word is good. And as we prepare to read of your word, we ask that you would be with us, that you would open our eyes and our ears, that you give us understanding, and that you would reveal truth to us through your word. We pray that you would be with me in guiding us through today's passage, that you would keep me from straying, and that you would decrease or that I would decrease such that your word and your glory would increase. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi. <laughs> so there are many instances where we face suffering or some sort of tribulation in this world. And when that happens, we often direct our thoughts inward to ourselves. We wonder if we are being punished, if we have been abandoned because of something that we did, some kind of shortcoming. Um, We wonder what we could have done differently to avoid the situation, or we just dwell on how bad or horrible our present situation is. And there are members here tonight that may be facing especially hard circumstances in their lives right now, experiences that are truly weighing heavily on them, And many times, it feels overwhelming. And in these situations, it's easy to lose sight of the cross and just become despondent. But I believe that the passage we're about to go through today gives us hope in these moments. It points us to truth that regardless of the degree of suffering that we may be facing, can encourage us and give us confidence and comfort in Christ that all things are under his control. So the big idea for today's devotional is going to be this. Be encouraged, for Christ has been given for us all. Once again, be encouraged, for Christ has been given for us all. Today's passage is Romans 8.32. But we're going to go ahead and read the surrounding verses as well, starting from 31 and ending at 33. Again, Romans 8.31 through 33. What then shall we say to these things? So verse 32 is split pretty neatly into two sections. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, which is followed by how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And today we're going to take a look at the second half of the verse first, because I think that once we understand what is being promised to us, we're able to more fully appreciate what has already been given according to the first part of the verse. But in order to get some context or a verse, let's take a quick look at the surrounding verses we just read, verses 31 and 33. We see that in verse 31, Paul asks us, if God is for us, who can be against us? And as our brother Cody faithfully pointed out in our last evening service, Paul is letting us know that because God is for us, the battle is already won. Christ has already been declared victorious in his death and resurrection. And because he died for our sins, we are able to stand victorious with him, living life on this earth, knowing that the final score has already been decided. In verse 33, we see a similar idea. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Once again, we are shown as victors with Christ, spared from condemnation through his blood and resurrection. And in between those verses of victory and salvation, we have today's verse. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The verse acts as proof that God is for us. For what greater proof could our Lord give than to sacrifice His own Son to be beaten, to be ridiculed, and to die on a cross for our sins? And it also acts as a reason for why Christ died for us and why we are able to be justified in Him. It's because God did not spare His own Son. God gave Him up for us. This is a precious promise for believers. And if you're like me, you're initially drawn to the latter half of it, right? How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds pretty nice, right? (laughs) You have all things. And I'm sure we could get pretty used to receiving all things, a new car, money, a different job. If you're single, maybe a wife or a husband, a win for your favorite sports team, or maybe a win for your political party or candidate. There are lots of things that we are prone to want in this life. There are lots of things that we are prone to insert into this passage. But that's not what this passage is about. It's not about us inserting things into God's word. This passage is not evidence for the prosperity gospel. It's not rationalization for making the things of this world into idols. What it is is encouragement, encouragement to persevere, to look to Christ it is encouragement that we are given all things that are good for us we see in Ephesians 1:3, 3 praise be to God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ all things is not meant to be everything you want it to be but instead all things that are good and it is also encouragement that all things that are given to us are good for us, whether you like what you're getting or not. And if you think that's a hard pill to swallow, I'm right there with you. But we see in verse 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Those who love God are the very same people we see in today's passage for whom God did not spare his own son. Often, we interpret good things as things from which we see immediate benefit. But that is not how God operates. God is not saying that we will not suffer, that we will never be sad, or never experience loss or disappointment. The psalmist writes in Psalm 44, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So we will experience trials but God promises us that he will use them to sanctify us. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that your suffering or my suffering doesn't matter. I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to belittle those things. We face all sorts of horrible and painful things in this life, but whatever you may be going through, And I encourage you that if you are going through difficult times to reach out and talk to other members or the elders about it, because we are blessed to have a loving congregation filled with members who would love to walk with you in such times. But what I am trying to say is, as Paul points out in verse 18, that our present suffering pales in comparison to the future glory to which God is leading us. The trials of this world will show us not only the world's, but also our own weaknesses our own sinfulness, and our own insufficiency. But more importantly, they will remind us that in our weakness, he is strong. They will remind us that though we are sinners, Christ is perfect and sinless. They will remind us that though nothing we can do is enough, Christ is sufficient. Which brings us back to the first part of our verse today. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all." This, brothers and sisters, is the good news. Yes, we are promised all things good for us and for our needs to be met. But let us remember that our greatest need has already been met. We were in need of a Savior, and Christ was given to be our Savior. We had no hope to be in right standing with God. We had no chance to be at the judgment and end up on the right side of God's wrath we were doomed. Worst of all, left on our own, we wouldn't even have had known we were doomed. We would have gone through life continuing in unrepentant sin, in opposition to God's righteousness, ever moving towards condemnation. God knows what our needs are, not just what we think they are, but what they actually are. And God is not just a provider. He's the best provider. We did not ask for God to provide Christ to us. God first provided Christ so that we might be able to receive him from Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You and I did not wake up one day and just cry out to God, please send your son Jesus Christ to die for us in order for, for him to actually do so. He had already done it. He was already sent and offered up for our sins such that when he called us to him, when when he opened our eyes to our own sin and our need for a savior, the need was already met and all we had to do was repent and accept Christ as Lord. We do not have a transactional relationship with our Father in heaven where we give something first and he provides in return. God took it upon himself to first provide us with Christ. This is the kind of God we serve. Even our greatest need was provided to us without us needing to ask for it. And here I would like to pause and point out that God is the only one who could have done this, right? Only Christ Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, who came down from heaven to live a perfect life on earth, was a sufficient sacrifice for our sins. Only a perfect God, who was fully just and fully merciful, was able to give up his son for us. Similarly, being the sole creator of all things, he is the only one able to give us all things along with his perfect son. We were fully dependent on the only one who could save, and in his grace, he did. So knowing this, we can have full confidence in God's provision and his good purposes. We know that he has given us his son. He has already taken care of our greatest need. So he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things?" The interplay between the two halves is that we can be assured that God will provide us all things because he has already given us the greatest sacrifice he could make. Everything else that God can give us pales in comparison to what he has already given us in Christ. We might be prone to think to ourselves, why would God want to give us anything more? He already gave us so much. Or, he must be so tired of giving us so many good things. But if we look at the passage, it says, he will graciously give us all things. Or if you have a King James Version, it says, he will freely give us all things. Once again, this is the God we serve. His grace is unending. He never tires of giving us good things. His mercy is unending. He never tires of forgiving our sins. So. Let us have confidence in our God and in his ownership over us. Though we may may be sinners and prone to make mistakes, there's nothing that we can do to negate the sacrifices that he has made. It is perfect and everlasting in its completion. John 10, 28 tells us, I give them eternal life and they will never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. No one can move us from his hands, and that includes ourselves. So in closing, I have three application points for us from today's reading. First, let us remember that God is the provider of all things. And that being the provider of all things doesn't mean that he only provides what we need, but that all we have is because of his provision. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant from Deuteronomy 8.18. In this world, we are so often told to be self-sufficient, to rely on yourself as a result. And as a result, we take pride in our accomplishments, are prone to become puffed up and love the praises that others might give based on those accomplishments. But I urge you, brothers and sisters, to remember that God is the provider of all things and to stay rightly humble as we enjoy what he has given us. Second, rejoice and have peace that God is good, that his provision does not depend on our good works, on our success, or even our asking for it, but instead is based on his unwavering love for us. Know that regardless of what may be happening in your life at the moment, God is in control. He is using it for your good. And there's nothing you or I can do to mess it up. Don't be anxious for what comes next. Jesus says in Luke 12, verse 25, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? And he goes further in Matthew 6, verse 25, telling us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Christ is in control, so just enjoy the ride and focus on the Lord. This is not to say that we should be lazy or stop being diligent for, as James tells us, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But it is a call to be grateful for all things and to be content in all things. Which brings us to our third and final application, which is encourage each other. We can have full confidence in God's goodness And provision so point each other to that reality most of us are or will go through some sort of suffering or hard times and as a church we should show love to each other by weeping with those who weep but also by reminding each other of christ and his provision in whatever circumstances we may find ourselves in i would urge you to do so with wisdom and with sensitivity for the one you may be encouraging but i believe that there is a sweet truthfulness in pointing each other to Christ and his provision in our times of need. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we praise you for you are worthy of praise. We praise you for being good, and we praise you for in your goodness, you act as our provider. Thank you for being a provider that does not rely upon us, but instead provides what is good in your eyes. But most of all, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for sending him to die for our sins, that we might stand in victory alongside him. Lord, we pray that as a church, we would remain humble and take joy in all that you have provided us, that we would see our situations in right relation to you and your provision. We pray today for those in our congregation who might be going through times of struggle, that you would draw near to them, that you would sustain them, giving them comfort and peace and hope in you. We pray that you would help them set their gaze upon you and upon your good promises. We pray that you would help us as a congregation to come alongside them, to comfort them and encourage them in the gospel pointing each other to Christ in all circumstances. And as we go out from this service this evening and into the week of Thanksgiving, we would be, that we would be reminded to whom we are giving thanks, that we would have in our hearts the reality of your greatness, goodness, and grace, and how you have lavished upon us all things. And we pray all these things in your Son Jesus' name. Amen.